The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Power Trip of Wrestling. I am your host, JP John Paz. With me today are two very special guests, former global world tag team champions. You may know them as the California Connection. Of course, it is Rugged Rod Price and Hollywood himself, Mr. John Tatum. Guys, what's going on? How you doing? Hey, thanks for having us. Yes, yeah, but I appreciate you, brother. Now, Hollywood, I mean, I talked to Rod recently, but Hollywood, what have you been up to? We haven't uh, heard from you in a while. Man, I've just been uh, pretty much raising grandbabies, uh, raising a, a wife, and uh, just um, uh, went through a few medical situations that, thank goodness, all the uh, great doctors out there can work on uh, fix you up pretty good. So I'm in pretty good shape. I'm ready to get back in the ring, I think. Whoa! Oh my goodness! <laughs> I know you're lying that, now. That is funny. <laughs> now, Rod, what's what's been going on with you? I know you've been dealing with a lot of craziness down there. Yeah, it's just clean up down here. But uh, before that, we were working. I was working with uh, a group out of Texas, just helping out, trying to train them upright and do the right thing. And then uh, Ida kind of scrambled the plans, and still got it scrambled. What were you doing there, Rod? I was just a, uh, you know, I was like an agent, John, but I I helped book, and I also uh, worked with a lot of the talent, you know, because a lot of them, they were shooting TV, and they never had the TV experience like, like you did and like I had. Right. Well, it, people think that that part is easy, and they don't understand that pretty much most of us wrestlers are just old dumbasses and uh, have to be told what to do. And and to be put in that position is very important. Um, I hope you all get it back together. Yeah, if not, you know, John, somebody else will start up. In fact, 
Kevin Sullivan already called me and told me to call him this weekend about a about another group happening. So, you know, next. Ain't nobody calling me. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Right? Why not? Well, I do have a, uh, an autograph thing going on, but I think when the promoter called me, I asked for a little too much money, and I haven't heard back from him, but it's not until November, so we'll see. Hey, it happens, but uh, hopefully it works out for the better. But as far as you guys and you two together, is the first time you guys met? Obviously, it's in Texas, but is it global, or did you guys meet in world class beforehand? Wow, that's a trick question for me, Rod. That's the one you're going to have to answer. I, I, was, I worked for so many different companies um, in the 80s that, you know, they all are a blur to me, you know. Yeah, I met John at World Class. Uh, he was <laughs> he was caring, doing his own thing. Uh, he was, uh, as I remember, he was the only one that was still uh, getting over at that time of World Class because there was not much left because uh, Lawler and his crew were coming in and it was starting to get slim pickings. I remember the Sportatorium was uh, looking pretty bare at that time. Yeah, I think they were giving tickets away. Um, it got so bad at one time. They lost all the Von Erics, Um And that, well, I shouldn't say they lost them all. What little they did get of them, they didn't get much production out of them, you know. Um, but, uh, when they left television, it hurt, um, WCW tremendously. Um, and, and I appreciate you saying that, Rod. Um, uh, it was a tough area to keep over in any kind of way. It was a tough area to be over in, um, because especially me, I worked there so long. You know, it's hard to go out and do TV every time it's on and and and, and make the people uh, get something out of the people and make them happy. Um, it's, it's uh, we all wish we had that, you know. Um, but I was real fortunate that... Uh, I got along my my fan base. We all saw it. I I remember being put with Rod, and it was um, it, it was unexpected. Um, of course, we didn't find each other. The office found us and put us together, and it worked beautifully. Um, it extended my career. Um, uh, and, and made it, to be honest, a lot easier. Um, Rod was a real, um, the muscle, so to speak, and I was more the big mouth, um, and, and Rod made it very simple. And Rod's really, he's just, an, I, I would say both of us are just naturals, um, 
and it, it was very easy for us uh, night after night working. I don't know how long, how many hours or how long they work these days, but we worked every damn day. You know, we didn't ever have any time off. Um, and, you know, I was getting at an age where I was getting hurt a lot. Rod, we never missed a show, never missed a match in the years we were together. Because Rod, um, uh, if he wasn't having a surgery that day, <laughs> Rod would have the surgery and then be at work that night, you know. But we were able to help each other and do for each other and carry each other to where we were able to get paid and still be hurt. And a lot of guys would have had to take off, but because we were a tag team, we were able to pull it off. Coast to coast, for sure. Ah, Thank you, brother. Now, what was going on in world class? Obviously, everything is going on, all the controversy and, and the horrible deaths and the binary stuff. But is that really just like Fritz, the business is falling apart, uh, Gino passes away? I mean, is that just basically the end of just too many tragedies? But, you know, uh, that's that's a good answer. Um, it was definitely different, you know, um, from when I started there and Fritz was the owner and boss, uh, things were tremendously different. Um, you know, it was, uh, um, you, you worked hard for Fritz, but Fritz took good care of us. And basically we were back home every night in our own beds at midnight. We could be with our, have a life, um, because the Von Erichs didn't like traveling. They wanted to be back home with their kids, like I say, by midnight. Um, so, uh, and one of the biggest differences is, uh, to tell you how different it was back when I started with Fritz, is every night you wrestled, they had a, one of those big coolers for fishing, you know, one of those $200 jobs, they would have that full of beer and set it in the dressing room. Of course, you couldn't drink it before you wrestled. But everybody who finished wrestling, there was uh, beer there for you. You know, I mean, it was just amazing. And, And Fritz was a sweet guy. He uh, was nothing like his gimmick, uh, just like the Von Erics are, are, were nothing like their gimmick. They're, they're just sweet, kind, um, uh, vulnerable kids, you know, that just never really grew up. Um, and, and a lot, you know, when I first was invited in the Brit's office and um, they were going to give me, or told me what my job was. Um, Fred sat behind this big desk in a big office at the Sportatorium. And when I came in there, I, Carrie Von Erich was actually sitting 
in his dad's lap. And that's just how close they were. He actually had the meetings. Of course, he stood up after a couple of minutes. But he actually sat in the dude's lap, and that's how close they were. Um, and, of course, Kerry never said a word because Fritz said everything. And what Fritz said, you know, that's what went. And it worked. Um, he he was a smart dude. There was so much tragedy, like, going on. And, obviously, at this point, Kerry will – or a little bit later, I mean, Kerry ends up leaving, so it's just kind of Kevin there toward the, the latter part when USWA and Jared and Lawler become involved. So it just seems like one thing after another. Then he loses his own boys. I mean, then you can't function, right? I mean, you lose your own kids, to not only tragedy and death and suicide and stuff, but then eventually lose them to the WBF. Well, um, pretty much um, I was there with – when David, I, I'd been there a while. Actually, when David died in Japan, right? Um, that was pretty much Fritz's downfall. That they put a lot of bread and butter into David, and David was a you know Kerry, of course, grabbed the reins after David passed, but Kerry couldn't hold a candle. Uh, to um, David Von Erich, uh, as far as ability, and uh, he just had looks. Is all he had. And, um, but David was a superstar. Um, they were actually, um, they were. Fritz was in the NWA and always was, and they were actually going to put the title when he got back from Japan, they were going to put it on David and um, ended up putting it on Kerry in the um, Cotton Bowl. Uh, Rick Flair did, but um, David was the grand marshal and the one that was carrying the whole torch. Yeah, they always say, like, David is the best wrestler of the brothers. Kevin's the high flyer. Carries the looks. You know, like, it, it seemed like they all got a, a different piece, but everyone always says that David was definitely the best worker. Absolutely. Kevin was horrible. Um, <laughs> a great guy, but he was just, it, wow. it, you know, yes, I, I want to, you know, wrestling, we all know what it is, but it was different then. And especially when they own the company and it's their television and they're paying you, you better have your strap tightened up, buddy. Because they they wasn't playing, especially Kevin. Um, You know, Kevin would kick you with those bare feet and think because he was barefooted that it didn't hurt. You know, but she's... He was a, a nut. And um, Kevin, uh, of course, lives in Hawaii now. And I, I haven't talked to him real lately, but last time I talked to him, I was having some problems. And, you know, he he's the type of guy who said, man, 
just come stay with me in Hawaii. I've got horses. I've got everything you want. Just please come stay. Uh, and that's just the kind of people all the Von Eriks were. I knew Chris. Chris was a sweetheart. And Mike was a sweetheart. And, you know, of course, they didn't have the size of the looks and um, didn't really have the ability their brother, big brothers had. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, – uh, Fritz pretty much was when David died. It, it, that's the day it all changed. Uh, everything changed. It's like Fritz wasn't involved anymore after that. And, you know, if it's not but a five people a night, uh, you see less people. After a couple of years, five people a night not coming, it adds up, you know. And the crowds were a little smaller. They were still nice. We made a comfortable living. Uh, the, uh, uh, of course, Rod wouldn't agree, but um, <laughs> he always had to take somebody out. I didn't have to pay for my date. <laughs> Rod had to pay for his. <laughs> yeah, but it was worth it, Johnny. Yeah, it was. As pretty <laughs> as those dang women were, buddy. And you ought to see the pretty one he's got now. Ooh, she's beautiful. Rod's been real fortunate. As long as I've known him, to have the most beautiful women on the planet, and actually got brains also. And it sounds, <laughs> sounds like I'm knocking women, but I I love them to death. Uh, <laughs> Rod, what do you think happened with the Von Erichs? Like too much fame, too much fortune, is too much pressure? Yeah, I mean, John will John will tell you the same thing. They just. Uh, I think Kerry at 17 was making about 250000 a year. And, you know, he was driving a, a different car every week because he was wrecking a car every week. So, you know, I think it was too much too soon. I don't, you know, I guess if it was my son and I was in that position, I'd probably, you know, think I'd be just as guilty because you want your boys to do well. So... I don't. I, I looking back hindsight, twenty twenty. I, I think it was too much too soon, but you know it. It was the eighties, so it was a period of excess. I mean, we all did well, and they did better. And I just see them. Uh, I just saw you know. I just saw them. Well, come right out and over, Rob. <laughs> there's there's drugs involved, and Rod and I, you know, we're no angels, but we didn't dabble in the stuff they did, you know. It's, and and you know that that to me, because I'm a recovered alcoholic, um, I uh, feel like the drugs had a tremendous, like Rod said, though, they had access to the finances and they had the cars and the people 
trying the cocaine especially was real hot back then in the time of period and people with the Von Erichs, you know, everywhere they went they didn't pay and and people would use drugs to try to get to be closer to them. Right. And I, I feel personally that that's what happened. Uh, they allowed, they just weren't mature enough uh, to um, do the right thing, you know, and, and and it's a hell of a message, you know, uh, but me working there and seeing them every day, um, you know, I, and I have, we all have our personal problems and stuff, but that's just not enough to make you kill yourself. And, and what, you know, I, 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 they didn't, I never heard them have an angry word with each other or come in and say that um, family of mine, I hate them, you know. It was never like that. They never had a, uh, it was the last people on the planet you would expect that to happen to it's crazy. All the brothers and Kevin is the only one left. I mean, it's crazy. All the uh, tragedies that happened to that family—absolutely nuts. Yeah. Well, I, I would—I I can honestly say this: um, I personally have never seen Kevin Von Erich uh, even smoke a joint. I've never seen anything—not uh, one time in all the years. And I can't say the same about the brothers. Right. Um, so, you know, if there's any people on the fence, you know, in your audience that um, uh, needing a little push, you know, uh, you just got to be strong and quit it, you know, and get off. Um, and, and like I say, they just carried it. I, I think they carried it too far. It got the best of them. Yep. Yeah. Like I said, I am no angel, and I've uh, snorted some cocaine, but, you know, I, I haven't ever done, you know, it, it was to go to a bar and, you know, get a little buzz. I was never an addict. Uh, so I, I can't, you know, it's hard for me to sit here and say, you know, that, uh, but they had some things they did were not cool. You know, uh, we used to, um, whenever we wrestled the, on house shows, uh, there's always a Von Eric on the card, and they always insisted that they're not following us. And we had to go last uh, pretty much on any house show. Uh, and the Von Erics were before us. Well, you know, I'd come back. We'd come back and you'd find them Von Erics, uh, you know, they should have gone home. You know, <laughs> yep. uh, I've seen some pretty weird stuff, you know, uh, 
that I wasn't into. Uh, God bless them. I love them. They were great, a great family. Um, Made a great company for us to work in. It was um, pretty peaceful, enjoyable. Um, I, I, I feel for them. Rod, do you think that, like, any of that could have been averted? Do you think there was something that maybe Fritz could have done, or, or that was just all inevitable? Uh, I think at that time period it was going to happen. Uh, <laughs> with the success of world class, I, you know, the money was there. And money can go, can go two ways. It can go good or go bad. And John and I witnessed it going really bad. I mean, uh, John saved more of his money than I did, but I've been married more times than John. So, <laughs> and we're, and we're no if, there a, if there was a uh, downfall with me, it was uh, women. But I mean, as far as uh, as far as the drugs, just I had an athletic background and doing. You know, I, I saw people who did drugs and I saw it tear them down, and that's not. It's not the way I wanted to go, you know. The ring, the ring tore you down enough. The travel. You there? I'm yeah. here. Somebody's breaking up. Was the rock breaking up for you too? Oh, yeah. I'm here. All right. Well, that's very well said. What you said, Rod. Um, it was a time period, you know. Um, and. and uh, like I say, you never know what's going on at home, you know. Um, nobody was really that close to them uh, that knew either. You know, they were pretty much their own guys, you know, did their own thing. They didn't, never anybody in their car with them. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> they always drove by themselves. Um, <laughs> did you guys have any sort of relationship with Gino Hernandez at all? I did. Um, I was there, of course, and Gino died also. Um, that was, uh, um, uh, unexpected, um, Thing Gino is on top of the world. Uh, I, um, of course, you know, uh, was a lot like Ric Flair. You know, uh, he he shared everything he had. You know, he, he you never went into a bar where Gino didn't pay. And same with Ric Flair. You know, you just. You go into a bar and they're there, your drinks are free. Um, and Gino was first class. I, I was I rode with Gino. Um, I didn't ride with him too many times. If you ride with him once, you'll know what I'm talking about. He drove a Porsche, and he thought he owned the highway, and he would leave when we would when we would leave for a town, you know, 
we'd go an hour early. Gino would go at 10 till, you know, 10 minutes to get there. And he'd make it, buddy. And it was scary. Um, but Gino was the hell of a guy. Um, don't know. You know, I've heard and seen the stories um, and been asked uh, before. And I, I, I got no clue what happened. Um, unfortunately, the I, I heard um, this a guy that I was friends with in Atlanta before he even got in the business. He, I worked at a gym in Atlanta when a, Michael Hayes was teaching me how to wrestle. Well, when I got into wrestling, Michael got me in Texas, and then. Rick wanted in, and he had taken good care of me at the gym. So they brought Rick in, uh, Rick Hazard, as a referee. Well, Rick and Gino were close, and uh, Rick found Gino dead in his condo. And if you know Rick Hazard, He's a lovable guy, but his mouth is so big. He actually told on himself for destroying evidence and uh, doing things that got him in trouble. So, you know, I haven't personally talked to him, so I don't know. Well, I I take that back. When he, when it happened, he was just running his mouth by sounding and how sad that was to find him. It had obviously been dead for longer than uh, expected. So it was a gruesome sight, supposedly. Um, but Rick, uh, Rick, like I say, Rick just can't help it. He's, it's in his DNA. He just, talks, 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 Uh, and that's why he made a great referee. He was very good at what he did, Uh, but he was was actually moved into the office where he handled the money on uh, spot shows. Um, So he was pretty much the, uh, you know, important figure at world class. Uh, he, um, but he actually was the one who physically found Gino Hernandez. And obviously there's some rumors about what happened. Did he ever say, or did he ever speculate on what he thought happened? I know he got rid of some of the evidence. Well, uh, no, he, he, well, you know, honestly, it's been too long ago. You know, I've, I've, uh, I can't uh, really, to be honest, remember what he said. You know, of course, I'm sure he he might have told on himself back then. I just honestly don't remember. But that's how much he loved to talk. Um, and he loved to talk about himself. Uh, he was... Uh, he was a, a uh, want-to-be wrestler who 
actually was physically built good and had a good mind, but he was just uh, very short. And he saw a way into the business through refereeing, and he became very good at it. As well as running his mouth, he was good at. Also with world class, you end up bringing in Missy Hyatt, right? I mean, how did that happen? I guess you guys were dating and you brought her into the business. Are you the one that brought her into wrestling? Well, um, we had met in Atlanta, Georgia, when I was living with Michael, learning how to wrestle. Um, We had met there. And just ironically, she was related to um, General Homer Odell. Don't remember know if that name's familiar to you, but he was a long old timer um, uh, manager, and he said that she wanted to meet me, and we met, and pretty much that was it. You know, she obviously wanted to be in the business or a pretty girl like that probably wouldn't have wanted anything to do with me. Um, But um, we became girlfriend and boyfriend and I was offered a job in Texas. And um, of course she came with me. And when the office saw her, um, they said, well, what's up with her? Would she be interested in being a valet? And I said, man, you don't know how interested she'd be. And uh, it just overnight, they said, uh, we had a, a meeting with Fritz in that office at the Sportatorium, and he asked her, you know, uh, would you like to do it? And it would, he kind of gave her the bad side of what wrestling is about. Um, and of course she was happy with what she wanted to do. And I was happy because it was double pay. And, uh, you're always happy with that. Um, uh, getting paid double. Not to mention, when I got with her, I moved up the pay scale rapidly. Um, and, 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 you know, Rod will tell you, you don't make a lot of money unless you put fannies in the seats. Uh, you, you don't do that. Um, you ain't getting paid. Um, and that started happening. My whole career, I was very fortunate. I never went down in pay. I always went up. Uh, and fortunately, um, Rod had mentioned when Lawler and um, uh, Jarrett bought Fritz out, um, I remember at that time I – it was a lot of travel, and I had been in wrestling long enough. I'd made up my mind that I would just quit if they wouldn't give me 
my magic number, which was pretty much more than double what anybody else in the company made. And they gave it to me. And so I was real happy working for them and taking all those trips because I was on a minimum guarantee. Now, I never got more than the minimum, (laughs) Uh, but I did get my minimum. Um, So it was good for me, too, there. Um, And I had Rod, too, you know, which that was like, uh, I just can't tell you what a, a blessing that was as far as physically. Um, and plus having a dear friend that I've had for many years and we continue to stay close and stay friends. And, uh, I can, uh, I think I owe Rod a lot, um, especially from the business, the friendship, of course, but the business side of it, um, wouldn't have been possible without him. Um, Rod, did he need physical backup? Is that are you are you, were you his muscle back then? Was he causing a lot of trouble <laughs> with his mouth? Yeah, I, I pulled a few girls off him. Yeah, I, I had his back. <laughs> <laughs> John and I, it was such a. Uh, John had the experience, and I was coming in and. I, I learned so much psychology in just a short period of time with John. And you just, I, I learned how to read a crowd through John. You know, it's like we've had all these matches and people come up and they want to do this or want to do that. And John's like, we don't know what they're, we don't know what they're, you know, what they're buying. So let's just get out there and we'll, we'll call it in the ring. And that's what we did. Uh, I enjoyed John was such a good mouthpiece. I mean, he made my, I didn't have to say a word. John said them all. And uh, (laughs) everywhere we went, uh, we got over. We were, we were putting asses in the seats. That was good for my pocket. That was good for John's. And the physicality of it was, you know, that's, it's wrestling. And it's different than it was now. But uh, uh, you you laced them up, you laid it in, and you know you took your lumps and your bumps, and you just got up the next day and did the same thing, and uh, that's what we did for years. And I wouldn't I wouldn't trade a moment of it, man. My my time with John was just spectacular. Oh, thanks, brother. You'll make me cry. I hope you, so. You know how sensitive <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Were you his muscle behind the scenes, like at during bar fights and stuff like that? Were you, uh, were you having to take care of, you know, some business for him? No, you know, John, we never, we never no. got in fights. No. There was always not John, one time. John's sense of humor. He could. I've seen him piss somebody off, and twenty seconds later, this guy's laughing and crying and buying us beer, and. You know, John could have stole his girlfriend. It wouldn't have mattered. John just had him laughing and rolling. And we didn't go out looking for anything. You know, we were already beat up enough. We didn't We didn't go look to show how tough we were. We just went out to have a good time. 
when we went out, John and I rarely would go out. It was just keeping keeping business, going to the next town. For me, it was licking my wounds, and uh, you know, I would drink some beer in the at, at the hotel room. But if we went out, it was uh, you know, treat ourselves. Yeah, I don't recall ever having one incident. I I personally have never um, had one. I was telling my wife almost 30 years. I was telling her that I've been in thousands of dressing rooms with all these different guys. I never one time have seen a physical fight or an argument or two guys disliking each other and uh, it just it, it never happened but to answer your question with Broad and I did go out and I did let my mouth overload me uh, Rod was definitely uh, the muscle no doubt about it he he was um, he's big now but he was a lot bigger back then his arms were huge, and he had just finished playing professional football. And his attitude—it uh, was—he was a sweet guy, but you didn't want to have somebody pick on me. Rod would not put up with that. Um, fortunately for me, I never had any problems. <laughs> <laughs> If there were, Rod would definitely be the one to have the throwdown, not me. I'm pretty much going to run, uh, <laughs> run by, hide behind Rod. I love it. You got the the mouse and the muscle. You got you to love that. But what happened with, John, you and Missy? I guess you went to UWF for a while. You did, did well down there. You and Jack Victory were teaming with that fantastic, then you had that feud with Eddie Gilbert, so I guess that sort of led to the breakup with you and Missy. Yeah, Missy and I were a relationship. We had been together a long time and it wasn't a a good relationship. Just business and um, Eddie, uh, who we traveled with every day, you know, he just came, it was really kind of out of the blues uh, Sky, I mean, I had no idea. He just came to me like a man and said, hey, you know, I like your uh, woman and um, she likes me and we want to be together. And I said, hey, you know, it's awesome. You know, I appreciate you coming to me like a man and telling me. Um, and that's exactly what happened. You know, pretty much she, uh, we had a, a condo in Dallas or in Arlington, actually. But she, uh, went and packed up her stuff and moved in with Eddie and I, you know, we still work just fine, you know, uh. Eddie and I tried to put a little program together where, of course, he got the girl, and it was a chance for me to turn babyface 
because he stole my girl. But um, that really didn't work. You know, the people, in all honesty, I've, I've never been a baby face. I got over more than a baby face being a heel. People love the the bad guys. Um, They don't want to admit it, but uh, they, when Eddie, when I beat the shit out of Eddie, uh, you know, they just didn't have the same reaction as when I was a bad guy doing it. So we pretty much squashed that pretty quick. And um, uh, I was in a automobile accident um, that pretty well put me out of wrestling for a couple of years. Um, and, uh, you know, Missy and Eddie just went into the oblivion and did their thing. Um, you know, I, I never really physically talked to her. After her and Eddie got together, you know, I didn't want to interfere, you know, and I didn't want people to say, oh, they can't do business together, you know, so there was never a a, a confrontation in the dressing room or anything like that, you know. Uh, It was all good. Eddie and I, to the day he died, stayed friends. Uh, uh, I liked Eddie. Uh, Eddie was another one of those that just got carried away, you know, just uh, just did a little too much. Uh, but I have seen her in autograph signings. We've never done anything together. But um, she's, you know, uh, getting, uh, aren't we all, but like me getting old uh, <laughs> but uh, I do see her every now and then and again and um, everything's great of course I don't go nowhere without my wife anymore so I'm not allowed off off the chain anytime so <laughs> uh, no heat though with you and Eddie. I'm, I'm surprised there was you just like really. All right, that's the end of it. And no heat. That's great. Absolutely not one second of it. Not argument. Not a raised voice. You know, like I said, he came to me like a man, and uh, I appreciated that. And I think it on my side, it had run its course. You know, as far as relationships. I, I think in my heart I was just ready to move on. I, I kind of wanted a real girl, a girl, a, a civilian girlfriend, I'm not somebody that's in, in the business, you know. Um, uh, and uh, fortunately for Rod or for me, uh, I didn't really. I, I let Rod. Rod was the Bay, he would get the girls and I would get the leftovers. So that made it great. <laughs> Rod, is that true? Well, some, some truth in there, John. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, Rod was very friendly. 
Um, <laughs> but like I said, I could the girls he had were um, like I say all uh, first class. Uh, a lot of my leagues. So you end up going back to world class after UWF. And then, like you mentioned, with Jared and Lawler kind of taking over, what was those controversies with, like, Tony Adams, and then there was a, a valet, I think her name was Tessa. Like, you had beaten them up, basically. One was Bill Dundee's valet, one was Stone Cold Steve Austin's, or, Steve, excuse me, Steve Austin's valet. What was it? Was that just to be controversial well, and kind of beat up the women on, on TV? I, I, I'll tell you exactly what it was. It was exactly the same thing with um, – Bill Dundee and Tessa. Bill Dundee was single. Um, we actually stayed at his home uh, when we were in town, uh, and we were all friends. And like a man, he came to me, you know, and said, hey, I like your woman. <laughs> uh, and he was the boss, and I said, uh, She's yours, you know, just, I'm fine with it. <laughs> and and that, that's what happened with her, you know. And as far as me kicking her, I, I must admit that was one of the most uh, artistic and beautiful kicks that's <laughs> ever been uh, done. Uh, I, I watched that back when it happened, and it was unbelievable what a beautiful kick that was. <laughs> Did you really knock her out, though, in the sportatorium that night? Taking out in a stretcher? Absolutely not. Okay. Never, I never touched. It was my boss's good woman. I ain't going to kick his woman in the damn head and hurt her. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a $250 a night guarantee. Uh, shit, I was happier than a pig. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm staying in his house, uh, which I, I a very nice big house. Um, but Bill Dundee's a super guy, too. I've remained friends with Jamie Dundee. Uh, uh, not so much... Bill being uh, in touch with Bill, but we remain friends uh, to this day. Um, just like I say, I was Eddie's friend to the day he died. Um, but that's what happened there. Um, and then they kind of do that angle again with Austin and Tony Adams. It's funny that like you were the, you know, the big heel just beating up these women with these kicks. <laughs> and not one of them if you asked them they would tell you what what an artist he is I didn't even feel it um, I, I was that was one of my few gifts was that super kick um, bread and butter I, man yeah man I, I was pretty good with that and what did you think of him back then, um, John? Because obviously one of the biggest stars ever in the business. But what did you think about him at this point? Did you see some potential in him? Did you see him becoming bigger than just, you know, being a territory guy? 
Well, I'll tell you, um, Steve and I used to ride to towns a lot together. And Steve was never uh, personable or got close to you or talked much. Um, You know, he did, of course, we all do, but he, before he became Stone Cold, uh, he, in the car, I remember one day we were driving, and he broke, we were talking, and he broke into that Stone Cold uh, type of person, and he just, it actually scared me, man. Uh, when he went into that, he was, you know, telling me to shut the hell up, and, you know, it's like, what? And then he goes, he said, after about a minute interview, he goes, how would you like that, John? And I said, Steve, I'm going to be honest. I thought you were serious, you know. <laughs> you were actually mad at me, and I was scared. And um, so he had been working on that gimmick his whole career. Um, but like I say, Steve was not a big talker. Uh, um, so, you know, but riding four or five hours with somebody, you know, you can't help but get to know, to know him a little bit. Another great guy. Um, and I'm more than happy for him and his success, too. He deserves it. Uh, he worked hard. When I was, when he was just learning how to wrestle hard, um, he had a, a, not such a great person, but a great teacher uh, that taught him how to wrestle, um, who was actually a very good wrestler himself. And uh, Steve was lucky from that he went to his school I won't name any names, but it's easy to look on the internet and see what school Steve Austin went to. Of course, uh, gentlemen, Chris Adams, yes. Yeah, um, well, I guess you looked it up. But um, I personally, Chris Adams is not my favorite person on the planet. Uh, but as far as working ability, uh, he was he was very qualified and very good and he was like Devon Eriks he was dead serious and when he you uh, you knew you were getting hit um, and, and when you hit him back you know there was a more than a I'm mad that you hit me it was more thank you thank you for that it looked great and they took pride in that part of their work. Uh, but neither one of Von Erich's nor Chris Adams took pride in their life or lifestyle. You know, that's why Chris Adams didn't hear. If you knew Chris Adams, you would know. Uh, you wouldn't be surprised at what happened to him. Um, he just didn't know how to filter his mouth. Uh, 
And he thought that was cool and okay. And it just was bound to happen, and it did. You know, he, he ran his mouth to the wrong person. Rod, I know you have a long history with Steve Austin, former tag champ, TWF style. Right? I mean, you knew Steve pretty damn well. Yeah, Steve, uh, he opened up to me because <laughs> Tom will tell you, you're going to talk to me. You know, even if you're mad at me, you're going to talk to me. And uh, I just had a, had a way just to bring bring stuff out of him, you know. He was having, I know he was having marital problems, his first marriage, he was having problems. And, and I think that was a lot of uh, him holding everything in. But, uh, you know, like John said, you get a few beers on you and stay home, four or five hours, six-hour drive, you know, you you're going to open up, and uh, uh, he was uh, a great guy and just thrilled to death about his his success, and he's still relevant. Uh, you know, I buy Tide because of him, so it's, it's all uh, good. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. Are you making a cold call or whatever that is? Yeah. yeah. yeah that's a great ad. Um, yeah, he uh, – I, I will tell you this. Rod and Steve would get along well because neither I personally have never seen either one of them do any drugs. Now I've seen them drink up some beer, both of them, but I have never smoked, and I smoked marijuana then, and I I, I do today. Um, but I have never seen Rod smoke a marijuana joint hit a pipe or uh, take any kind of cocaine or anything. And the same with Steve Austin. He was like that. He he would let you ride and smoke your dope, but he didn't want any. You know, so um, they they would hit, hit it off better than me and Steve would. Um, I could see that being a a shame for Rod that he didn't stay with him and become partners with a real star. <laughs> uh, I, I learned one thing from you, John, and that was to go with the money. At the time, the uh, <laughs> So how'd you guys end up in Global? I know, obviously, the, the California connection, you guys are the coast-to-coast. Uh, the global tag team champs a few times. So how'd you guys end up down there in Globe? It's just one of those things where, hey, we're back in Dallas. We're hopefully going to start up a big territory again and scan our Akbar down there and everything else. And Gary Hart might be there. So like, it's almost like a Dallas reunion, right? Uh, for me, I was in Puerto Rico and I was, Akbar was booking and we just finished up and I stayed an extra couple of weeks to, to run an angle with, and then when that was over, uh, Akbar called me and said, hey, look, Joe Petticino's going to start something up in Dallas. He asked me if I was interested. And that's how I ended up back in Dallas. I honestly, like I said, it's all a big blur to me <laughs> because I pretty much – did my job. I didn't care about anything except entertaining the people. 
and what was going on in the office, what an uh, initial, what letters were changed in WCW, whatever they were, who was buying the company. I never studied that or cared about it. I just, I knew I could, I just needed to get there and make the people who paid their hard-earned money happy that they paid to see me and Rod. And that's, it, like I say, Rod can even remember Puerto Rico. I, now that he said it, I remember it. But no, I wouldn't have remembered that Rod came from Puerto Rico, but now I do. Uh, yeah, um, that was some crazy office going on, you know, that pretty much the the wrestlers weren't in tune with, you know. Uh, you just did your job um, and kept your mouth shut, unless you were Bruiser Brody. <laughs> say what the hell you wanted. <laughs> well, it really doesn't. I mean, it lasts for a few years, but, you know, even being on ESPN and everything else, it almost feels like, man, I wish they were around longer and kind of relive those Dallas and those Sportatorium memories of maybe bad timing, maybe not enough money. I mean, not really sure what happened down there. So kind of what did happen? Well, you know, they had um, a very uh, – the owner, uh, Jerry Jarrett, you know, he ran Tennessee Wrestling for many, many years and was very successful there with that business, him and Lawler and his son. And, you know, it, it was just a different ball game, you know. Uh, in Texas, we did things different. Right. Um, our wrestling matches were different. And in my opinion, what happened is the new owner said, well, let's send all my successful guys here in Tennessee. Let me send them to Dallas, and they'll love us in Dallas. Um, and that I, I just don't think that happened. You know, uh, they didn't – I don't think they realized how important it would have been to have Kevin, you know, work every night and involve him more. You know, but, you know, Kevin had done, got his money. Uh, he didn't really give a shit. He was just, they, they tied that into the final contract where Jarrett became the owner that Kevin couldn't leave for a set amount of time. So Kevin didn't want to be there. And in Texas, you ain't – all it takes is one Von Eric to have a company. And they didn't want to do it that way. They thought their people in Memphis and their style in Memphis would work in Texas. And it just didn't. Um, that's my opinion, you know. I totally agree with it, John. They just – you went from a, a rough-style wrestling to a comedy show every night. And it just didn't work. 
Yeah, they they were used to seeing fighting, you know, and and serious angles, not you know silly. Uh, I mean, who who in Texas knows Bill Dundee? You know, they, I knew him because I worked in Tennessee. You know, but nobody in Texas knew who he was or who their stars were in Tennessee. Uh, Jeff Jarrett. Now he he was uh, the only positive thing I, I would say they had there. Right. You know, who could carry his own night after night, match after match. Didn't matter how many times you saw him, he was going to give you your money's worth. Um, and you know, Lawler. Uh, Dundee, Billy Joe Travis, rest his soul, uh, Port Top Jones, you know, all that. Um, and God bless the dead, but they just didn't bring in the right kind of talent. Um, and fooled with my, you know, I had my little thing, and they tried to enter, you know, tell me what to do. And I was fine with that. I didn't have any input. You know, I just did what I was told. And uh, like I said, I I was at a point in my career, if you're going to pay me a certain amount of money a night, I don't give a damn what you tell me to do. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And that's where I was at. Um, uh, I would do, I agree with the ESPN and with Jeff, Jerry Jarrett's brains, they could have, if they would have stayed in longer, uh, somehow, um, I, I don't know how. I don't have that answer. <laughs> uh, it obviously wasn't me always the answer, but... Um, uh, got to go back to you. Got to have a Von Erich in the state of Texas, right? Um, and, and they, like, like I say, they tied in that contract, and it was he didn't want to be there, so he sucked. You know, instead of, <laughs> <laughs> he, like, he was just at that age; he was burnt out anyway. You know, he had been a star his whole life. And everything he did, you know, every restaurant he goes into, every airport he walked in, he was like, uh, no Elvis, but you know, he he he. Those guys, they couldn't really eat in a restaurant, or walk in the mall, or do the things Rod and I were able to do. You know, they just were smothered. I've I went uh, to Israel with Carrie, and unless you saw it, you wouldn't believe it. You'd think that Jesus had come back. Um, And in Israel, you wrestle, you have the same match every night, same guys, and you're in the same stadium for a week. So it's the same thing every week. And those people, 
would absolutely pack it wall to wall, go in these football stadiums and a whole 25, 50,000 people screaming, carry, carry, to the top of their lungs, all these people who were very, um, not they didn't have, television had the Von Erichs wrestling and NBA basketball, and the rest was religion. So he was, because he was a star on TV, um, in uh, a sport that wasn't they weren't exposed to, he was. Uh, I mean, it literally had to have machine gun guards circle him everywhere he went. Uh, the people would. Uh, it was. It, they wanted to touch him and uh, hear him, and and he was a sweet guy, you know. He. He gave them what they wanted, um, but their life was very uh, different. You know, they were they were true superstars in Texas, yep, uh, and in Israel. Um, and my understanding is Kevin and his uh, kids, two boys, were uh, doing. Kevin doesn't really wrestle anymore, but uh, he they're very successful successful in Israel. Um, so he's kept it going over there. Um, and that was quite a... The people over there had plenty of money, and uh, we made plenty of it. Now, as we hit the wind down, head towards the finish, just curious, both of you guys, do you guys have any regrets in the wrestling business? Anything that you wish you hadn't done or wish you had done? Wow. Um, I don't. I don't. You know, it it was a great job. We were both young, you know, and single and – had a lot of fun, and I wouldn't change that to the world. I wouldn't change a thing. Um, I, I wish that I would have been more mature sure. and learned more instead of just going through the motions, which you don't understand that do you get older, you know, Um I would I would be much better in that business now than I was then, um, but uh, no, I have no regrets. Um, I, I it was all good for me. I agree with you, Johnny. I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything. You know, part of uh, getting older is looking back when you're young and say, "Man, that was stupid." But uh, we were young, <laughs> you know, and uh, we had a ride, and I enjoyed every minute of it, and I wouldn't change a thing, man. Did, uh, so what's did, next uh, What's next for you guys? I know you got some autograph signings coming up, Rod. I know you might be doing some work with Kevin Sullivan. What's next? 
I'm kind of like John, man. I've got. Uh, I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving because I got my grandkids coming, and we're going to have a packed house for the first time in a few years. So I'm looking forward to that. And if this thing pans out where it's another world class, uh, Eric Embry and Kevin Sullivan are going to be booking. Uh, it's supposed to start December 11th, but. Uh, I'll find out more this weekend about what my role will be, but you know, if that if that comes along, that's great. That's icing on on everything. And if it doesn't, man, I'm just uh, I'm happy with my life. I'm happy with my wife. I, I've got great, tremendous friends. Hollywood's one of them, and uh, I just enjoy life every day, man. I um, I will keep you in your new business endeavor. In my prayers, I pray that you're able to get in there because you're very smart in the business. You learn quick, um, and I'm very happy for you, and I, 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 I hope it's successful, man. Uh, you make it successful, brother. Go get them. I, I believe in you. Um I know you can do it, and and you won't be doing anything that causes you to have a surgery every weekend. Well, at this age, John, it could be walking. So, ah, that you get uh, <laughs> tell tell them how many surgeries you've had. It's it's too many to remember. I'm, I'm going to steal your quote: "Too many to remember. Too much uh, anesthesia." But I'm healthy. I, I still got a little back issue, but uh, it's been good to me so far, and I'm not pushing it. And I'm able to go to the gym every day and work out. Plus, when we get home from the gym, we're moving stuff over from the destroyed house into the house we're going to live. And, you know, it's just every day. It's my life right now and probably will be. This recovery will probably be about a, another year. But uh, after that, well, before that, John, I'm going to come see you. So I'm glad you didn't have to come because of the storm, but I'm sorry you are having to um, clean up, you know. Uh, I've been through it, too, and I know you got – it's not only your cleanup, you have to help others. Right. And um and of course they help you too. But uh it's a it's a crappy time to have to go through that storm stuff. Um but um y'all are all in my prayers. I love y'all. And, uh, thank you for saying the nice things you you said. Um I wish I was uh, as luxurious as you are with the tongue, <laughs> but I just am not. Um, but I, I, I love you, and I appreciate everything uh, you did for our career, brother. Brother, I love you too, John, and uh, I'll be talking to you soon. Thanks okay. For having us, man. Thank yeah, you, brother. guys. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for all the time. Anytime, man. I got a bunch of stories if you ever oh, need something. I got one. <laughs> and Rod does too. Uh, hey, um, God bless you and your show. I hope it does well, successful. 
Um, I'll even throw a prayer in there for you tonight. Thank you. Awesome. Appreciate that. Thank okay, you guys man. so much. Call us anytime. Will do. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Bye. Thank you. Too. you. Bye-bye. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies brother.